I'm Sonia Morton Firth and you're tuned in to the Sonia Morton Firth Show. Today my guest is Mark Coles, bodybuilder, physique coach, educator, entrepreneur, author and podcast host. Mark has been in the fitness industry for 19 years and is renowned for his exceptional knowledge and professionalism, as well as building a huge state-of-the-art physique gym. With his wealth of experience, Mark now educates thousands of personal trainers in body, mind and business. Watch this interview for lessons on how to push your mind and body to the limit. Mark, I can't believe how excited I am to have you on my show today. Thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Do you know what? I thought about this interview for years, ever since I came to your amazing gym in Nottingham all those years ago and attended your seminar. Your knowledge blew me away. And yeah, I just had this vision of one day I'm going to be sitting down with Mark Coles and having a, a cup of coffee and a chat. And here, here we, we are. are. Here, here we, we are. are. Thank you. Thank you. It's great. But what I want to know is, I mean, from the from the days, from those early days, what actually got you started into the fitness industry? Because you you run an absolutely phenomenal gym, um, but yeah, what what? How did you get to that place? Do you know um, this being very much about personal growth and personal development? I didn't really know when I was younger uh, how much of a role personal growth and development was going to play, but. I was at a point in my life where I just said, and I said this to my dad, and I can't, I, I always think back to it when I was, I came out of university and I did four years working in property, property um, investment, my dad's property investor. After a couple of years of working with dad in Birmingham, I said, I always said, dad, if I wake up and don't enjoy what I do, I've got to do something else. I don't want to, for you to feed me my future. Mm. I want to find out my own thing. And he's always said, I want you guys to all of us, my brother and sister, all of us, to just love what you do and have your independence. And he just said, your life is about being fulfilled and being happy, quality of life. And so that's always resonated with me. And when I left working with dad, I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give uni another, another crack. So I went to Sheffield Uni, did a year and a half of property, thinking, I just, I think the independence is going to come from studying more, getting my independence as a degree. And all I did when I got to Sheffield was try and never forget the gym. I was in the gym every day. I was having a jacket potato and tuna every day. I was in the gym more than I was in university classes. I was in the gym backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And... There was a couple of, there was a girl in there I got to know and a couple of guys with PTs. I just thinking, I love being in here. I'm not questioning anything, but I love being in the gym. And then I just said, could this be it? And that was where my light bulb moment came. And I literally went on the internet and went personal training career. And I rang dad, I said, I need to see you. And I drove to Newark. It was only 40 minutes away from Sheffield. Went home and said to my dad in his office, I've written about this, Dad, I'm not happy. I've just got a career development loan for three and a half grand. I'm going to become a personal trainer. Wow. And inside, my gut instinct mm. was, I love being in the gym. I love reading about training. I love training. I'd love this to be my job. Done. And at any point, did you have fear that, you wouldn't be able to do it, you couldn't do it, you'd disappoint your family. So Dad said to me when we were sat in the office, Dad's got a lovely office, it was overlooking the river, and whenever we were called to his office, asked to come to his office, it was always like, oh God, what, what's the outcome of this going to be? And Dad always had worst case scenario. With a property deal, he would always look at how lovely it is, how big it is, how much money it could make, what's the, what's the worst case scenario and what's the exit strategy? Like, what is it? What is this going to bring you? And um, he sat opposite me. He said, personal training. He said, you go skiing twice a year with us. You go on holiday. We have lovely things as a family. Is that going to come from personal training? I said, I don't care. I said, because as long as I'm doing what I love, I'll be a success. That's all I said to him at the time. I'll never forget it. I was 23. 
Um, and I left and I said, just know that I'm happy. And when I'm happy, I'm certain I'm going to make a success. And then I walked out and went, oh no, Here's, this is the reality. So I did my personal training qualification, came around, and it all started then. But that was me into the fitness industry. That's how it started. I mean, that's, I mean, many PTs, I'm guessing, that are going to watch this and think, well, do you know what? It's okay for Mark. He's got this huge gym. He's got this amazing following. He's got this team. And you started yet, as you say, just out as a PT. How did you go from literally making that decision to then running M10? So I'm, I'm no different to anybody else. That's the, that's the point to my journey. I'm no different. In fact, I'm exactly the same. I did my personal training qualification, came out, and uh, I was studying at uh, Virgin Active in Nottingham, and they were studying above the gym. The Premier Global had a, had a facility there. And they just said to me, um, right, now you've got to go and get a job. So I applied to work at Virgin because I was in the facility. I got to know some of the trainers there and the head trainer there, and they didn't give me a job. And I lived in Newark, which was 25 minutes away from where I was studying. And um, they were just opening up an LA Fitness there. So I went in and I said, listen, I'd love to be a personal trainer here. And they said, you've got to apply. So I went down to South Kensington, LA Fitness, HQ gym, did a personal, did an interview, which was the most horrendous interview of my life. I had to train somebody. I'd never trained anybody. Not one. And they did a training session. And uh, at the end, they said, right, well, we'll ring you. We'll let you know. And... Uh, they, they gave me the first freelance personal training position ever at the LA wow. Fitness. That's LA Fitness personal training was just kind of developing. Yeah. It was only in London. So for me, that's how beginner I was. You know, I had a badge, my name, done. And then I just had to build my personal training business. So, you know, every challenge that every personal trainer thinks that they have, and they might look at me now and think, you didn't have all that. I had everything and more. I didn't have social media. You know, Facebook's been open, what, 10, yeah, 10 yeah, exactly. years? Yeah, exactly. On the internet, right. probably was not, I'm not suggesting you're that old. No, well, you I've know, been in the industry 19 years. 19 mm -hmm. years, the only marketing I really had was just in the gym talking to people. I wasn't overwhelmed with the whole social media and trying to be somebody I'm not. I just had to be a good personal trainer. And there was very little education around how to learn how to grow a business. You had to learn on, on, on the go. Um, and as a journey for me, I had to I had to grow up very very quickly. You know, no one was going to do it for me. Just like every other personal trainer, just like any any young entrepreneur, you're now on your own solo journey to trying to become a success. And at, at that point, you're on this journey. You're you're literally starting from scratch. You must have had some pretty challenging moments. What would you say were some of the most challenging moments? As a PT, before you were a gym owner, as, as, well, as a personal trainer. Uh, one that sticks in my mind, and, and again, I've written about this, that, that um, I played rugby. You know, I, I was, uh, I'd played representative rugby for the county, and I, I played first-team rugby for my town. I was confident. And personal training, you want to go up to people. And you'd given up rugby at this stage? Um, I was still you? playing. I'd, I'd had a pretty nasty shoulder injury, but mm. I was still going. I was still playing at the time. And I just said to myself, you know, I've got all this confidence and in, in some areas, but going around the gym, you know, chatting to people, I just I didn't know what to do. And day after day, I, I just started getting knockbacks. You go up to people, talk to them and say, look, you're looking for a personal trainer. There was no scripts or things to follow. I was just chatting to people. People saying, no, you're all right. Thanks very much. And I remember going out to my car and I cried, just sat in the car and cried. And one of my friends who played rugby with me, big guy at the time, big guy, I was a lot smaller. And I was going to say, were you a big guy at the time? No, I was probably, what, what am I now, 108, and, and back then he was, I was probably early 80s, so. So this is before your bodybuilding? Yeah, yeah, before bodybuilding and everything, so I wasn't very, very big, um, in retrospect to, you know, to, to bodybuilding. Mm. But he was a big boy, you know, prop in rugby, anybody who follows rugby, you know, he was a big boy, you know, and uh, he came and sat in the car with me and he went, you, you okay? You're crying. <laughs> yeah, he said, what's wrong? And I said, mate, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Everyone just says, no, 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 no. He said, mate, you just got to keep going, going, going. And at that moment, I went, right, you're right. I got to get in there and I got to play the numbers game and you got to be friendly to everybody. You got to do what you're really good at and talk to people. And that's what I did. And I just chatted and chatted and chatted until I became the friendliest 
likable person in the gym and there was no sales strategy it was just just make sure everybody likes me I didn't know a lot I didn't have a lot of confidence mm. and in a very short space of time filled my diary you know and that really was the start of it for me the most challenging moment was not knowing what to say not having a lot of confidence wearing a badge also I came from a pretty successful very successful family and everybody knew me in the town so to be walking around with a badge on saying fitness instructor or personal trainer I felt quite deflated in yeah, myself yeah. thinking everybody knows me from my dad and you know I was known more for being my dad's son and him and da, da, da. and I, I, that's when I started to say to myself well you know what can you do with this what can you do with this is I knew at that moment that's my career but just doing training sessions at the same price the same gym I just started to think more and uh I don't know where it came from, from within me, but I, I, I hit this moment where I went, I need a plan. I just mm. need a plan. And that was, I think that was a, that was a breakthrough moment for me yeah. to yeah. sit in the coffee shop and say, where do you want to be? Because I know now in life that the minute you tick a box, you become unfulfilled. And if you're not constantly challenging yourself, then you'll become unfulfilled very, very quickly. So when I got to 35 sessions a week, charging 35 pounds an hour, doesn't matter how great my clients were, I didn't have a challenge anymore. I had no challenge. And I went, how do I get to 40 an hour? And they went, we have to go and study and prove to us you know your knowledge and keep consistent with those amount of sessions for three months. Mm -hmm. Good. Three months later, I moved to 40 and I had a new badge and I had new knowledge and traveled and I went, how do you get to 45? So I kept asking these questions, how do I keep pushing? How do I keep pushing? So it all became about setting incremental steps that were all to do with moving forward. And was that the plan that you'd written in the coffee shop or were you looking yep. at a, 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 a sort of a bigger vision? Well, the small little visions when I kept ticking them off, I kind of said to myself, let's have something bigger. So I said, I want to be the best known trainer in my town. I want everyone to know about me. Um, and that became... I've read a lot, I've studied a lot over the last 19 years. But when I look at what I know now, I was actually vision planning. I was setting high goals that was inspiring to me every single day. And I, I was just working through these incremental goals. But not a lot of people kind of know, but at the time, I was battling with still being a rugby player, still partying every weekend while still trying to grow this business. So I was a trainer, it was a job, but I was giving myself challenges. I knew I wanted to do this job, but I had this challenge of a, 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 a load of friends. Yeah. Some of them were settling down. I, I had one great friend that we used to hang around with. I got, I ended up doing drink, drink and drugs and part of socializing at the weekend. And I realized there's, there's something big missing. I had this challenge of being me, the local lad, and me, the professional trainer. I would say that was probably the hardest battle I ever faced. And how did, because you could have gone down two routes there, Easy. right? You could have gone down the drink, drugs, carrying on, being in your, in the little, not, I don't mean little village, but Yeah, it was, it was a small town, it was a market town. Yeah, yeah. being in that town. But, but what, what made you break away from that? Because you clearly did break away from that. So the, the funny thing is about having this vision to want to be a great trainer. If you keep setting visions, but you, there's something niggling that you're unfulfilled with, I had to manage that, I had to deal with that because... Mm -hmm. To drive forward in my career, I knew that I had to be happier than I was. So I set these goals, set these visions, business was kind of moving forward. So I just met a lady called Jane, and she was a client of mine. And I got a phone call, and the phone call kind of was like, I live at home, um, I've heard about you, is there any chance that you can come and train me at home? And I thought, well, that's nice, someone's reputation. Yeah, home visit. Home visit, yeah. yeah. So I, I got in the car and went down the next day to meet her. Beautiful house, beautiful house. Massive electric gates. And uh, I drove in, and she was very articulate, very professional, very suave. And we sat down, and I said, do you mind, you know, a bit of a chat. I said, do you mind if we just do a little strength test? It was my kind of fitness thing mm -hmm. at the time. Did a ball, wall squat, and she wasn't very strong. And she had various different challenges, and... And I was like, well, I, I've got to train you at the gym. I'd love to train you at home, but I'm going to, she didn't really want to train at the gym. I said, come to the gym. So we started our training at the gym and um, built this amazing relationship with her. And she had done a lot of personal growth and development. And uh, 
I started to talk to her about my challenge. Party at the weekend, personal training, party at the weekend. I want to be someone. I want to make something of myself. And she said, uh, you know, you know you can have anything in life that you want. Anything in life that you want. And I said, I, said, I said, rubbish. I said, I know I'm, certain things are happening, but I had this very fixed, like, I am who I am. Can't change me. I am who I am. So as much as I had this vision to be a personal trainer, I was happy doing that. I had a very strong emotion around, I am who I am, and I can't do X, Y, Z. Did you know who you really were at that moment? No, I was, I was, I was, you know, I, I found out that I wanted to be a personal trainer, and that was good. But in me, there was like uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Mm. And she would see this, and I used to get really angry with her. And she used to talk nearly every training session, three times a week, about personal growth and development, da da da. And then she just came up to me one day. She said, You need to read this. And she gave me the secret. <laughs> and she said, I've never ever, she said, I never ask anyone to buy this. I give it. Because when the time's right, she said, but you have a gift as a personal trainer because you're helping me. I went above and beyond. She had hormonal problems. I studied hormones. I went away and studied a course in Spain about hormones and fat loss. I was going above and beyond. She yes. said, but you have a gift. But there was just a Jekyll and Hyde moment for me every time where I'd go home and be angry with myself, frustrated that I didn't really want to drink at the weekend. I was locked in doing social recreational drugs and it was just such a mess. And then uh, I read The Secret and I started to realize there's some similarities with certain things in my life, but similarities in other areas that weren't there. So we started talking and I started to just relax a little bit with my views around possibilities. And then she said, you need to go away. I would suggest you go and do the breakthrough, not the breakthrough experience, it was the Landmark Forum, okay. which is a three or four day, yeah. um, how to live a fulfilling life. I haven't done it, I've heard yeah. about Landmark. Yeah, yeah, I so I did Landmark. And I went away and I, I, I did this course and I came back and it, it that was life changing. Wow. Because it challenged so many thoughts and beliefs and I stood up and I went there for the only reason that I, I kept meeting the same type of girl. And they all seemed to be, the situation always seemed to be trouble. And it was so crazy because everything that I was attracting in my life was aligned with how I was feeling about me. What did you need to release to release that type of girl? Because presumably you were attracting because you were still either holding on to something or... It was amazing when I actually got into it. I was attracting what I'd asked for. I spent a lot of time, Jane by this time was developing her, uh, she was becoming master practitioner with NLP and she was listening to kind of subliminal messaging and language and what I was saying. But I said... And do you believe you're meant to meet people for a reason? Yeah. Wow. I yeah. mean, Jane sounds like she was a course corrector almost. She, or, she or... was, she was um, like a guardian angel for Yeah, me. yeah. And... Uh, I get emotional when I talk it about does her. Give me a shiver. Yeah. She, she. Uh, if I hadn't met her, well, that would have been my next question. If I hadn't Where met Jane, do you think you'd be? Do you know I would be a success? Yeah, I, I don't believe that I wouldn't have made mm. it. Uh, but she was the person that was pivotal. I don't say. I think that per personally, me as a human being was destined for success or whatever it was. Could I have been someone else? I don't know. But do you know what? Jane came into my life at the right time where I was struggling being my local lad, party boy, rugby player, but now wanting to be a fitness professional. And that switch from being party boy, club goer, local lad to fitness professional, wanting to be a business owner was the hardest breakaway I've ever done in my life. But coming back from that course, sitting down with Jane and she said, you know what you ask for, you get. And I said, what do you mean? She went, you said you want to build a bob, your business and you want to focus on your knowledge. So you're, you're basically getting the right type of people that don't want to settle down right now, purposely because you don't want to settle down. And I went, yeah, but you want a bit of companionship along the way, right? And I went, yeah. She goes, good, that's what you're getting. And I went, okay. And then I started to realize that I, this was quite a long wow. few years later, but essentially I never met someone that I was ever going to settle down with. And the challenge I had to deal with from a personal, personal development perspective was that's okay. Mm. 
I'm being very clear. Because you were ready. It wasn't no. on your path right now. No. You had other things no, destined to No, I had other things. But I had... This was quite a few years later. I spoke to Jane. Um, and uh, I'll just switch briefly to when I met my wife. Purely because my wife and I have been together four years now. Married two years in and a few sorry, weeks. sorry, if you don't mind, no. just for the audience, how old were you when you met your wife? Because this 38. 38. So some would say that's quite... I mean, I'm, I'm actually much older, but some would say well, you waited quite a long time to, to, to meet your future thing. Didn't wait too long. Came at the right time. I had too much else that I needed to do. Yeah. This is, this is the right time. Yeah. I'm around for a long time. So my wife and I met. And I met, I met my wife. We went for a meal. Um, we, met, uh, we went to St. Christopher's Place in Marlebone oh, yeah. and uh, we had some food. Um, and I came away from meeting her, and I always used to look for an exit plan. Jane always used to say to me, whenever you meet someone, by the way, you'll always have an exit plan. They'll either have children, they'll either not be right in one area, but there'll always be a reason that you can hang on to end it. And I went, okay. But every time I met somebody, I'd ring Jane, I went, I know what the exit plan is right away. She's got two kids and she lives too far away. She went, good, as long as you know that, that's cool. Then I met Marsha. And after our first date, I rang Jane and I went, there's no exit plan. And she went, good. Get in the car and come and see me. So I drove up to see her and I said, Jane, I've had a, something here for many years. And I feel it now. Ugh, I feel it, right? So I, I, I said, it. I have a feeling that I'm not letting anybody in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just well. felt that, right? So I, my head's tingling now, but I had this massive feeling in me. And I said, Jane, I've got to get something out because I'm frightened of letting go of the businessman, the entrepreneur, the bodybuilder, the training. I've, I, I'm ready to let someone in, but I'm frightened. So she went and did some energy medicine work with me and we lay on the sofa and she said I had a blockage here of energy, which was almost like a protective mechanism for myself. I went, let's get rid of it. And so she worked on me and I drove back through Snake Pass in the car and pulled over and had hysterical tears for 15 minutes. Wow. I mean, hysterical tears, hysterical tears. And it wasn't until six months into the relationship with Marsh that I said to her, I, uh, as soon as I met her for the first time, I went to see Jane and said, it's, it's time, I'm ready. And then Jane said, you're not questioning anything, I know. And then I said, but can you just ask this, Jane? Why have I met Marsh now? Yeah. And she said, because if you remember when you were 24, you said to me, Mark, until you built... you've known Jane all of this time. All this time. Now, we've not kept in touch for the last seven or eight years. Like, she's doing her own thing and she lives in Manchester. But when I met Marsh and I said, you know, well, four years, just before I met Marsh, actually, when I went to see Jane, and that was probably the last time that we did work together. And I said, Jane, I've got to understand this. And she yeah. went... When you were 24, 25, you said you are not going to settle down until you've built a body, a business, and a brain. And she remembered it all that time. She said, you will not settle down. I told her I don't want to settle down because I've got too much work to do to be derailed. And then she said, have you built a body, a business, and a brain? I went, to accommodate a wife? Yeah. For what I want for the rest of my life? No. But to bring somebody on the journey with me? Yeah. yeah. So you manifested your wife. I'm going to tell you right now. I have everything that I've got around me, and you know John D. Martini. If you it's, everything is aligned, you will say that it's fate. It's not. It's the power that I've created within me, which is what John D. Martini talks about having an internal inner unique genius. When you get control of it, what it brings. So Marsha came in, she's got her own independence, she's got her own life, she's got her own business, she's doing really well, we spend time together during the day, I'm still growing the business, I can, I can do what I need to do, she does what she needs to do, I haven't, I'm, we're not together to the point where we're suffocating each other, it's just a perfect blend of two people living an inspired life and growing together. And when we met, I, that's what the biggest challenge for me was. And, and you know, I've not talked at length to people mm. about this. Mm. But my fitness industry career has been a purposeful mission to create a body, a business, and a brain 
because the funny thing is with this, and when later in life I was doing the, the uh, John D. Martini's training and development, and I've actually worked with one of John's directors of the institute. Um, Not Clarissa, by Yes. I know you Clarissa. Yeah, so she's worked with me yeah. for the last year. Um, she's been incredibly supportive. She's lovely. Yeah, she's been incredibly supportive because she's involved in business and she's helped me a lot with vision planning and, 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 and growing where we are to this day. And I owe a lot to her with helping me with the book and unlocking the potential to do the book. But the funny thing is, John D. Martini talks about seven areas of life that you empower. And I knew that to bring love and intimacy into my life, I had to empower my spiritual purpose and mission in life. I had to empower my physical embodiment. I had to empower my vocation, which is my career. My mind was... I, I talk about distance from destination a lot. When I came onto this kind of... into the fitness industry, who I needed to be to get me to where I wanted to get to wasn't ready. So the reason I didn't settle down was because I had to prepare myself for what was going to come at the age of 38, which was my wife, my business, and everything else like that, and everything that's good to come for us. And I thought, why settle down with somebody when I'm not ready? Why actually, why don't I build me, and then the right person will come? And I think the opposite way around happens in life. I'm unhappy, I'm unfulfilled, so I'm going to meet someone that's, that's really not necessarily complimentary to me. We're going to go through this scramble of what we call a relationship, upsets and ups, ups and downs. I found who I was at the age of 30 years of age. Spent eight years, amazing eight years, from the age of 30 to 38, knowing who I was, what I wanted, where I want to be, and then fast-tracked myself to the point going, right, now I'm ready to share that world with someone. Because I didn't want to get into a relationship where I wasn't whole, because I'm just going to be destructive to somebody else. And at no point did you think, oh God, is it something wrong with me? Is it, is it I just can't do relationships? Am I not lovable? Or, you know, everyone thinks that, you know, we all have an intrinsic, not all of us, but some of us have an intrinsic of we're not enough. Yeah, of course I did. I, I, I'm, I say I'm human, I have emotions. So not being, I would say right now, my, my understanding of myself, understanding of emotions, understanding of path and purpose and vision, I mean, I, I, everything that I know about my own growth and journeys from the age of 23, 24, so I've been doing it a long time. But along the way, I didn't know what it all meant. So I remember being over, my mum lives in the south of France, I remember being on the beach one evening, just sat there with my head down, and mum sister, mum, are you okay? I was like, when am I going to meet someone? Yeah. Because this, there's this part of you that's like, I'd love to meet someone, mm. because I'm missing that. But then that was on holiday. So obviously on holiday, what was I not doing? I wasn't training, I wasn't bodybuilding, I wasn't working. But then when you take me away from it, what was I doing? I was doing my inspired purpose. So the moment it took me away from it, I thought, I need it. But then the moment I got back into my purpose, I didn't need it. So then I started to go, well, is it wrong? Because common society would necessarily tell us that you need to be in a relationship. My parents would always say, my mum would, oh, you're not happy, are you happy, are you happy? And then obviously you challenge yourself and go, I'm not happy, I'm not happy. And then I look at it and go, but I am. I'm bodybuilding, I'm building a business, I'm increasing my reputation, I'm increasing my products and services, I'm building something with the future. And then the penny dropped. And I was like, when anybody would say to me, are you happy, are you fulfilled? You know, I, I, not necessarily fulfilled, but are you happy, do you want, to be, you, know, you want to be in a relationship? I might dip then and try and get into a relationship, and then I'd go, nah, reverse my way out. Yeah. Reverse my way out. So I, I think for anybody that's that's single, I would say that we're single or you're single for a reason. I feel like you're talking to me right no, now. No, but, 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 but do you know what? Like thinking that you must do something or that you have to do something or that you need to do something is because someone's telling you to. Oh, completely. And, and then society tells you. Tells you. Especially as a woman my age, you completely. know, why, why haven't I got kids? Why haven't I got a family? Why aren't I married? It's like, well, I love my career. I love my job. I love my vocation. That's, I, 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 love, I love my friends. I love connections. I love meeting interesting people like you. It's not to say I haven't had relationships, but it just hasn't. I completely... But, but, but I got to 38. Is, I got yeah. to 38, you know, from, from being a young age to 38, having different relationships, of course, mm-hmm. and friends and one thing or another. But it wasn't the fact that I, I got to the point where I was not unhappy that I wasn't meeting the right person. I was more fulfilled doing the thing that I was inspired to. And I know if I stayed on that path, the minute I took away from that path, I knew I would be unfulfilled. So I just said, 
everything that I deserve and everything that I want will come at the right time. It's just not ready. So I just kept doing the things that I loved. Fantastic. I want to just take you back, Mark, to your emotions. You talk about your emotions. And, you know, I'm sitting next to a, you know, big guy, you know, bodybuilder, uh, ex-rugby player, been on stage. If anyone would say emotions, they probably wouldn't see you and emotions together. Mm-hmm. What place do you think emotions has played in your life um, for the benefit of your life and maybe the downside of your life? So in terms of emotions, this is really interesting because when we think of emotions, I think the first thing we think is sadness. Mm. Yeah. The word emotion, I think a lot of people associate with sadness. But emotions can be happiness. Emotions can be excitement. They can be overwhelm. They can be fear. They can be stress. They can be dread, doubt, anger, rage, joy. Yeah. Right? It's the two sides to emotions. Mm. So I, as a, as a man, or anybody listening to this, Firstly, must understand that emotions are high and low. They're not just a one polar down, like negative emotions. I'm feeling sad. And so from an individual's perspective, I started to understand that for me, some of my emotions were telling me stuff. You know, one of the most important emotions for me was feeling not good enough, feeling self-doubt. Um, feeling overwhelmed, and I didn't really know they were called emotions. They were just like feelings. Mm -hmm. Let's call them perceptions, right? So then, as we both know, perceptions are almost everything because they were all down to how I was seeing things, feeling things, and if I learned to see things a different way, would they be of value to me in a different way? You gave it a different meaning. I just gave things a different meaning, like a different framing. And and so, for example, if I was on my own, my dad said to me, loneliness. That's Mm. an emotion, isn't it? Being lonely. Like being sad. I guess there's a state of being alone. 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 A state of being alone. Alone. The emotion could be sad. Sad, yeah. Right. So my dad was like, you're alone. Are you okay? Are you happy? Are you sad? I went, I'm really happy because... If you actually look at the emotion, let's say I was feeling sad. I'd say to myself, why am I feeling sad? Because I really would love to be somebody. But what is, what am I learning from being alone right now? And I went, that I have time to learn. And I went, why don't I embrace the time to learn instead of being alone? Because alone is going to make me feel sad and sad is going to make me dwell and procrastinate and not be productive or make the mistake of trying to find companionship when it actually wasn't what I needed. So I would reverse it and say for every time I was on my own, there was a benefit to me of doing that. But I didn't realize all this till I understood a lot more to do everything, but I did it for myself. And so every time I was on my own, the benefit was I get a chance to write. So I used to write and write and write and blog and do content and I think a lot of people don't take advantage of how they're feeling and look at an opposing side to how that emotion is and to me sadness or loneliness could have been something that I used to a disadvantage for me but I used it to my advantage because it was time to grow and that's when I started to look at how I was seeing where I was at at any given stage in my career was the more time I had, the quicker I could grow, you know? And, and, and that's why now, obviously, being married, it's very different to being single. But there is going to be a lot of times in your life where you're not single. So use the time that you've got to make something and, and fulfill so many different areas of your life. So I fulfilled my social media. I, I was training my clients nearly every day. And my reputation was growing quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. You know, so there was huge benefits to my perception of negative emotions. You know, but a lot of a lot of guys um, don't embrace emotions or vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of guys don't embrace vulnerability. But I know I've listened to your podcast, and you have you're very vulnerable on your podcast. You do talk about what you're going through and your emotions, and I think that 
that must help the personal trainers that are listening to you to realise actually what they're going through, you well, went through. So well. true, so true. And, and you know, today I did a, I did a, a new podcast episode, um, you know, getting people to engage in the social media world nowadays is less to do with the information because it's all available. It's the connection. If you can build a connection with somebody and feel the emotion that they have got or relatability that they have to you, we want to learn from people that have been where we are or share experiences like we've been through. And then we would like them, if they have some degree of education behind them, to maybe help us navigate. That's why mentoring has become very popular. I was just about to say, and I know you've invested a lot in your own personal growth and your mentoring through through all sorts of coaches. How much do you reckon you've invested in, in the years in your own personal growth? Over 120, 30,000. Wow. And the, the amount of money that I've invested in my mentoring, because I've just been so dedicated to find someone that knows a little bit more than where I am right now. Personal development has been one of the biggest investments mm -hmm. I've made. And then everything that I wanted to become a better coach. It's been tens and tens and tens of thousands. And still to this day, only three weeks ago, we were talking about Clarissa. You know, I've been on the phone with her. We had two hours, you know. And if there was any personal trainers that are watching, well, I hope there was lots of personal trainers that are watching, what advice or tips would you, would you give them? Maybe if, if you could narrow it down to a couple that really changed how you felt or what made you go from I don't want to say just a personal trainer but took you gave you that edge that well, helps you continue and persevere I had a vision bigger than being a personal trainer I don't think people give themselves permission enough to be more having just released the book which we'll talk about and having released the podcast and teaching people before that, there was like a local impact that I wanted to make, and then a national impact, and now a worldwide impact. And it was all about being more, doing more. Can I be more? Can I do more? Can I learn more? And for every single coach that I ever come in touch with, I say to them, are you undervaluing yourself, and are you living your best life and giving yourself the best opportunity to be more. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm doing all right right now. I'm doing all right. I say, all right is done. Enough is done. We all need challenge. Every single day of our lives, I believe that we need challenge. We need something to work towards. But do I really need a big vision? I said, do you really want to do the same every day? I said to personal trainers so often, being a personal trainer is actually boring. And they look at me and they go, what? I said, it's boring. That's quite something, being a personal trainer. It's boring. boring. Because if you train the same people every day, six hours a day, the clients don't make much progress, you see the same people every single week. It's like being an accountant or a corporate or a lawyer doing the same thing every day without any challenge, without any growth, without any extra income, without going on holidays, without doing more, without being more. Every job that anyone does on the whole planet is boring unless there's new challenge. So I always say to personal trainers, your life is boring because there's no challenge to it. So my advice to every trainer is it doesn't matter whether or not you're what you're doing right now, you need a challenge. You need something bigger and bolder and brighter and better. And that's what I just kept saying to myself. I charge 35 pounds an hour. How do you find out how to change, train 40? Now, here's the funny thing is, money to me as a trainer, when I got to 85, 90, 100 an hour, that wasn't about money in the bank. That was about worth. Yeah, yes, your value. And when I valued me more, guess what happened? My content got better. My standards got better. My body got better. My social impact got better. My vision got bigger. I valued myself more. I attracted, I remember going, Ben Pekulski, great friend of mine, wrote the forward for my book, great friend of mine, and I wanted to meet him. And I said, that guy's never going to want to meet me. And was this just before, because we've got to talk about your yeah, bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah, this you. was literally at, when you just, when you decided that you wanted to enter a competition or? Yeah, well, I owned, I've owned M10 Nottingham Gym now for eight years. And prior to that, I had another one for four years, four and a half years. 
uh, four or five, five years. And toward the back end of the first one, which is a 1500 square foot studio, I said, I'm going to give it a bash. I've always wanted to take my body to the next level, not what, just train. What, what really made you want to do it? What Was there something, was there a void that you were trying to, to fill? Yeah, so when I was younger, I was bullied. Yeah. Um, I wasn't very big. Yeah. Um, I demanded from myself a lot more all the time. I wanted to be as good as I could be at rugby. I wanted to be as strong as I could. And the whole, the whole bullying thing... Um, when I was reading a book, just skips my mind. And uh, I, if you have comments on YouTube, I'd love to actually put it in when, uh, when I remember. But I read a book, and it basically was explaining body, your body as a shield of armor or a completion of your character. And when I started bodybuilding, I was walking around, and I'd be the classic guy walking around town, being out and about, pushing people, even though I was still wasn't very big. And I realized that it was a shield of armor. It was a protective mechanism to give me that, hey, I'm a bigger guy. And then as I got bigger and bigger, because I realized you were bullied as a child. I was bullied. And, I, and it gave me this opportunity to just walk in and people go, oh, you're a big boy. You're a big boy. I was like, yeah, I like that. I like that. And, but I loved training. I loved how it made me feel. And suddenly it was just, just empowering me and making me more confident. And so much was happening in business and it served me. But then I suddenly realized that, you know, this isn't me, 100%. So is it a shield of armor or is it a completion of my character? My body is a part of me, but I'm as whole with it without it. It makes me feel great. I love it. I love training. I love the challenge. I love looking good. Uh, you know, I truly believe that from a male's perspective, we should be strong. And, you know, I, I believe that, that you don't have to be big or muscular. But for me, I think it's, an embodiment of your physical journey. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a big belief that I have. But it's not that I try and get other people to do that. But for me, it was a big thing that was mattered to me. And so the bodybuilding eventually became part of me as opposed to a shield for me, you know? And, and bodybuilding, after a while, just blended into being this deep inspired passion that had a knock-on effect with my you know, meeting right people. And, and you met Ben. Sorry, well, like no, 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 you're right, you're right. But, but, but what happened was, I said to myself, I'm not going to meet the people I'm inspired by if I'm not, if I haven't got anything to be inspired by. It's like, why would a millionaire talk to you at a dinner if you've not got anything at their level to talk about? So let's build a bloody body. But I also realized that if I build a body and I have a business and I have a brain, I'm going to make myself more attractive to the people that are going to help me take my career to the next level. So I remember sitting at the front of a seminar, and I was two days before it was a seminar in Tampa, and Ben was speaking, and I said, I need to meet this guy. So I booked a flight, went there for two days, and I sat at the front, and at the end, I went, excuse me, and I asked him a question. I went to the one side afterwards, and I said, can I take you for breakfast? And we went, we had breakfast, and we got on really well, and he followed me on social media, and I'd just done my photo shoot, after, and he was like, dude, you look in great shape. And I was like, that worked. But it was a connection, became a lifelong friend, um, you know, ended up introducing me to so many people, helped me, like you wouldn't believe, I trained with him up to leading up to shows, world show, top shows, and I got to work alongside, you know, the best of the best at what they do. And that was when you think to yourself, well, why would you not make yourself world-class if you want to be world-class? Do you think that bodybuilding, that mindset that got you the body that you wanted has also worked in other areas of your life. Well, we talk about these seven areas of life, right? John DiMartini taught me this wonderful, um, you know, lesson about empowering as many areas of those seven areas as you possibly can. And I will truly, truly believe, and I've seen it. I've mentored hundreds and hundreds and educated thousands over the years of trainers. And the ones that don't take themselves on a physical journey are not truly as fulfilled as they could be in many other areas. I had a trainer just now that's got a 1,200 square foot facility in Hull, and he was training general pop ladies, just wanting to lose a little bit of weight. He was very unhappy, very unfulfilled. Um, he ended up coming on my uh, mastermind. We did a personal training mentorship together. Um, and then he finished it, and he rang me, and he went, there's one piece of the puzzle missing. And I said, you know what it is? 
and he's building his business. He's about to rent a 6,000 square foot facility and progress further. His confidence is, believe, you believe it, it's unbelievable. He's now thinking about hiring trainers, which you never thought about doing. And he says, but my body, mm. I need to do something with my body. Well, since December, we went on a transformation journey. And in fact, for everything they'd invested in me, I took him through the journey for free. Oh, wow. And I just said, I want to do it with you. Mm. I'm not going to charge you. And he checked in with me every Saturday. And two weeks ago, he did his photo shoot. Wow, fantastic. And he didn't just look great. He looked incredible. And he said, I've never been so confident. All my clients have told me that I'm, I'm, I'm a completely different person. My wife, my relationship, my business, my impact on social media. People are wanting to train with me. I know trainers are going to want to learn from me. And I went, dude, you just put the biggest piece of the puzzle in. And I truly do believe that the reason why I've actually pursue bodybuilding is to not just have a body it's just another pursuit of bettering so can you reach for a bigger vision can you reach more social impact having a podcast a channel can you reach millions of people can you build a better body will you earn money money and grow your wealth from that and, and when i learned all this i went hold on a minute my life has been about empowering all these seven areas but when you look at most people most people have done the same and if someone's trying to become more successful and they go, you know what, I think I just need to get in better shape. But the funny thing is they get in shape and then the business goes through the roof and the relationships go through the roof and that their intense passion just appears, reappears, reignites. So I do believe that not necessarily bodybuilding, but empowering your health, physical embodiment is essential. And now, because I completely agree, and I'm thinking about lots of things I could carry on talking about this for ages, and I can certainly go on talking about bodybuilding for a long time. But what it can get down to your book. So you've literally just released. Not only do you have a podcast, an absolutely amazing gym, and I've got to say, Mark, I've never been into a bed, but a most amazing gym. I mean, your physique gym is absolutely fantastic. Uh, But tell me about the book. Wow. Um, This... This has been a long time coming. I, a couple of years, a few years ago, I was in Abu Dhabi working and uh, I just, I kept thinking, everyone's writing books, like, is it my time to write a book? Should I be doing a book? And then there was this pressure on me to do a book internally in my head. And I was like, I remember speaking to a very wealthy, successful, successful gentleman in, in, in Abu Dhabi who his, he, he brought me over there to speak. And I said, listen, you're a very successful man. Why haven't I written a book yet? You've heard me speak for a day. And he goes, if you don't mind me saying this, you won't be writing an educational book. You'll be writing a legacy book. And I went, huh. Wow. Now, this guy didn't really know me, but he had picked up on something. And I got on the flight on the way back and I went, gotcha. There's a few pieces of the puzzle that aren't done yet. Now, I'm not done. Far from it. But I wanted to create a journey and an opportunity for fitness professionals to have an insight into what I believe are some of the most important things that they're going to run into. Challenges, wonderful things, but to create a roadmap that will help somebody to achieve a fulfilling, successful, and happy career for them. For them, not me. It's a part of what I've done through my, my career, but some action strategies that trainers can use. And my, my thought process around my whole career has just been be one bit better tomorrow than you were today. And that's where Level Up was born, essentially. My whole life has been taking incremental steps towards a vision. Whenever I've got bored of a vision, I've created another one, and then I've just gone forward, and I've gone in search of the knowledge and the skills and the people around me to do it. So... It, it, the book, when I decided it's time and it's now giving trainers that opportunity to go through their own journey but have me hold their hand along the way. Survival, I, I talk about the importance of the physical. The physical for me is um, your knowledge, your commitment to yourself, your health, your body, your challenge that you put on to improve yourself. Being a better coach, the knowledge that's required for a better coach, being a purposeful coach, somebody coaching every day 
on purpose. I think that your life should be on purpose. I get up and I have a purposeful, you know, I, I talk about, I, I explain it's purposeful coaching. You can go into a gym and watch somebody training and he's not, she is not purposefully coaching. They're training someone. Yeah. Very when different. you watch somebody purposefully coached, they're intent, they're inspired, they're energized. Session one or session nine. Then you see trainers that train. So part of the book talks about that. Part of the book is a personal development framework that gives trainers an opportunity to see how to break through limitations. And where can people get this book? Because you just said it was on pre-release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then where can they get it? Amazon? So it is available on Amazon worldwide. Wow. Okay. Amazon worldwide. And we're going to put the link in the show notes. Thank you. Thank That's you. But it's very, um, listen, you know, it, it's been a, a kind of lifetime of work coming together and to give trainers the opportunity to learn more and develop is dream come true. And if anyone wants to find out more about you, Mark, please let them know. Again, I'm going to put this in the show notes because I know your website, Thank M10, you. is amazing. Well, we're having a bit of a, bit of a rejig of it, but M10 Life. Um, if you're in Nottingham area and looking for personal training, it's m10fitness.co.uk. Uh, but the biggest place to find me is Mark Cole's M10 on Instagram because that's my main kind of place to find me. So thank you. Um, I've, I've absolutely loved this interview. We've just come to my final question, Mark. And that is if you were to write a message in a bottle for future generations to find, what would that message be? You're only knowledge and skill away from creating the life of your dreams. Mark, that's a great note to finish. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday. So hit subscribe and like and you'll get it straight into your inbox.